the volume. Superchargers, headlights, and more with over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Boxing with Chris Mannix is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there is a contest for every fan. FanDuel. More ways to win. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. Welcome back. Wednesday edition of Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network. Got a good show for you today. Paulie Malinaji, former multi-division world champion, boxing broadcaster. He joins me, and we cover, well, a lot of ground in this interview. We talk about his exit from Showtime. Last summer, Paulie was fired by the network for some racially charged comments. He explains that and answers the question, could he have kept his job if he had simply apologized? Plus, He's involved in another brouhaha, this time with a radio host and a TikToker. This radio host slapped him on the back of the head with baby powder on his hand. It was all over the internet. Paulie explains what happened with that situation. Plus, we get into Deontay Wilder against Tyson Fury. That press conference for the third fight took place on Tuesday. And Paulie's involvement in extreme bare-knuckle boxing. He's going to be part of a broadcast in July. I talked to him about the traction that bare-knuckle boxing can or can't get in the sport amongst its fans. Stick around. Great conversation with Pauly Malinaji. As always, best way to support this podcast, subscribe, rate, review. You can do it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. All right, that's it. On to the show. All right, Pauly Malinaji is here, multi-division world boxing champion. Uh, he is part of BYB6, extreme bare-knuckle broadcast, part of the broadcast team, I should say. will be July 16th in South Florida. At the Seminole Hard Rock, he's part of that team with the voice of MMA, Mike Goldberg. This fight series is set in a diamond-shaped triangular ring with three equal sizes. It'll be the smallest ring in combat sport. I had to catch myself there, Paulie, because you've done, you know, this kind of stuff before. You're, but you're out of that game, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm liable to try anything. But, uh, 
but they're just commentating, just commentating right now, you know. Uh, have you have you officially retired? Uh, yeah, I retired like three years ago from boxing. But then you just kind of get these one-offs that come your way, I guess. And I had a, I had a one-off, and uh, I don't know. They always offer me these one-offs. You know, I don't. If I if I took every single one of my one-offs that get offered to me, I wouldn't be retired anymore. I'd be perfectly active. So I still consider myself retired. But you know, I, I as any retired fighter these days does, they they keep their ear open for a a certain kind of one-off that you know brings them back for a, for a night. You know. How did you know as a boxer it was time to hang them up? Um, the main thing I knew was that, um, when I knew was that I, I, I couldn't get through a training camp without getting some kind of injuries, you know, um, I was getting injured and I was trying to work as hard as I always tried to work, but I was getting injuries, uh, stupid injuries, but injuries that wouldn't, uh, wouldn't stop, uh, would, wouldn't heal, you know? Um, and it, it was becoming annoying and it was affecting me and it was affecting the amount of, uh, work I could do and the way I wanted to do the work. And, uh, and then slowly but surely, even it builds up on top of that. You know, you start slowing down, your reflexes aren't what they were, your legs all of a sudden aren't as bouncy. Uh, you know, it just kind of builds up. They just, it becomes a compound problem. Uh, science, you're aging, you know, it's, it's nothing, uh, nothing out of the ordinary, you know, uh, part of the aging process. And, uh, and that's it. You know, you kind of realize, all right, this is why guys retire around this age, you know? <laughs> It ends for us all, Paulie. Some of us earlier than others. I was probably 18 when yeah. I realized that my 70-mile-an-hour you know, <laughs> fastball wasn't going to get me through anything more than, middle, than uh, Babe Ruth baseball. Um, a lot I want to get into with you, including the press conference today we saw for Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 3. But you and I haven't talked in a while. And I, I wanted to just ask you about, you know, for several years, you were the top analyst over at Showtime doing their boxing broadcasts. Uh, that ended for you last summer, um, in part because of comments you made to IFL TV about the end of the African American fighter. People can look them up if they want to. I mean, as you look back on that now, almost a year later, uh, any regrets about how that all played out? Um, what I regret is probably the way it was interpreted. Um, I don't think it was uh, it was meant as uh, in the way many people interpreted it. Um, I don't, I'm not going to regret or apologize for what I feel. That's for sure. You know, um, I, when I say something, it's because I mean it. But um, I think things can be interpreted in certain ways. I do think, I do think people that are racists tend to see race in every single thing somebody says. And so, I um, unfortunately, I think it was made more racial than it actually was. Um, by people that are probably racist against people of my skin tone, you know, of my race. So I think uh, that's probably how I'm going to break it down for you. I, I didn't, I don't think it was, uh, it was interpreted in the way it was meant to be interpreted. You know, um, I do think things happen to everyone. I don't think you can paint every, every circumstance with a, with one certain brush. You can't say all black people are, are oppressed. You can't say all white people are privileged. You can't say things like that. You can't paint everybody of a certain ethnicity or color with the, with the same brush because, because then that's racism in itself. Right. So, so I do think you do have to approach things circumstantially and, and listen to people's stories circumstantially. And you'll find that, you know, there is, there's uh there are, things that we stereotype as a, as a, as a, as a society that probably shouldn't be stereotyped. Like, you know, I may have said, I don't feel like African-Americans are oppressed in this day and age. Um, 
as a race, but at the same time in this country, but at the same time, so there are people that get offended by that. And then there are African-Americans that will also get offended. I know that I know personally that would get offended if I said that they are oppressed, you know. So so and, and, and the same thing with, uh, you know, white privilege the other way around. You know, there are certain white people that feel like, you know, they have a privilege. And then there are certain white people that will say, you know what, my life's been hard. I didn't I wouldn't have any privilege. I didn't get a privilege with my with my skin color. So so I do think that you can't paint everything with the same brush, uh, regardless of ethnicity or, or race. Otherwise, you're falling into the trap that you're supposedly trying to fight, which is racism and prejudice. Right. So and I I probably could have chose my words a little better, maybe. But in the moment, it was kind of a question that threw me off. And I, we were just trying to move on to other subject matters. You know, it was I wasn't being interviewed for that reason. I was being interviewed, you know, just as a the landscape of boxing as a whole. We were in covid and I think the guy just needed to do a job. And he's like he called me and wanted to get some quotes, you know. I don't and because there were no fights going on, I think we were in a lockdown, if I remember correctly. So so I, it really had nothing to do with that. And so I just kind of answered it really quickly. And I, and I, I believe if I remember correctly, the, the interview continued for like another 10 minutes after that, because it really wasn't like a major part of the interview, you know, until until I was told that, you know, there were certain things that, you know, became more of an issue than they were. To this day, I do think that people overplayed it for sure. I do think it was overplayed for pats on the back for people that fought it because the video had, I remember when it became a problem, the week uh, had the issue with my bosses that we officially parted ways. The video had about 14,000 and change views and it had been about three and a half months since I did the, the interview. And it had it had about fourteen thousand and change views. The weekend they announced, they made that announcement. In three days, it doubled in views. So, so that video really didn't bother that many people. You know what I'm saying? That that interview didn't bother that many people. It was more, uh, um, it was more uh, um, uh, virtue signaling, uh, and and you know, pats on the back. And for me, that's fine. You know, I don't have to uh, agree with it. Uh, they don't have to agree with me. Um, I certainly wasn't intending to offend people unless they are racist against my skin color. Then I, then I am trying to offend you. But but other than that, I mean, um, I wasn't trying to to uh, to offend anyone. I was just kind of making a matter of fact statement. And then in making that matter of fact statement, I just thought the interview was going to continue. And it did. And I really hadn't I really didn't give a lot of thought to it until it was brought to my attention again. Could you have kept your job? If you had apologized, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I, I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole. You know, um, first of all, why not? For, because I offered to apologize for the way my comments came out. I did offer that. I have an email proving that. I did offer to apologize for the way my comments may have been interpreted. Um, but they wanted me to apologize for my views, and I'm not. Those are my views. The whether. Whether people are going to agree or not, those are my views. Now, that doesn't mean that they're always right. Again, circumstantially, they change. But those are my views. I stand behind those views. Um, I've lived my life and I, I have, I, I've experienced enough of my life to know that those are my views. And, 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 and I can give you proof of why, for me, those are my views. But again, of course, circumstantially, there are always things that change in those circumstances because you can't paint everything in every situation with the same brush. So I did offer to apologize for the way my comments had come out because because I, I didn't want people to misinterpret it. And I realized, OK, people may have taken it this way and it could have been taken in another way, you know. So I, I, I did offer to apologize and say that, you know, in the future, 
I would, um, I would, uh, um, I would, you know, be try to be more empathetic in the way I, I, I express my views. Um, and I, and you know, I, I regretted that you know people may have taken things in a, in a different light, in a different way. I didn't say I'm sorry, but I, I, I did say, you know what? I, if anybody took it the wrong way, I regret that, you know, because I wouldn't want people, uh, people to feel. Uh, uh, interpret something in a way where I didn't mean it, mean for it to be interpreted, especially if it hurts their feelings, especially if there are people that I knew as well, you know, and that could be the opposite as well. You know, like, you know, in today's day and age, the opposite view is kind of demonized, but there are people that get offended when you express the opposite view as well, you know? So, so I don't think you want to uh, offend, offend people one way or the other, if you really have a choice. Right. So, so I, I did uh, try to offer um, a, a statement, uh, which I have in my email files, um, that, you know, would basically have, have, uh, um, expressed my regret for, uh, for the way things could have were interpreted. And, uh, basically, uh, in saying, in saying that, and I, I, I had also expressed that in the future, I will try to express them in a more empathetic way. Probably, like I said, in the moment, they, the interview was just, you know, it was just kind of matter of fact. I didn't think twice about it, you know. Uh, but then afterwards, when everything came out, it was obviously something that, you know, I probably could have expressed differently. All right. So one other thing I wanted to ask you about, and this just came across the radar <laughs> the last week. What the hell happened at the Lamar Odom Aaron Carter <laughs> know, fight? Bro. Like, I honestly, I probably, I, I, I all of a sudden like. Over You're a period of days, me. I'd love to ask you the same question because I'm the person to answer myself. <laughs> like so. just just to kind of put it in perspective, oh, this is all I saw and all I really know about that situation. Somebody comes up to you with a handful of baby powder, to- whatever it was, and while you're working as a color commentator next to my man Bruce Beck on that broadcast, you get Bruce slapped. Is a cr- Bruce is appalled. So what? Explain to me what what happened and how that happened. Um, I've been going back and forth with, uh, Corey B. He's a morning show host in New York on 92.3 FM. And, uh, uh, he's also a, a known TikToker, you know? So, you know, I, sometimes I listen to the show and whatnot. And he's one morning, he's just calling about, you know, he's boxing. That's fine. You know, you're boxing, you're cool. It's fine. whatever. But he's talking about how he's going to fight now and he's going to compete now and all this other stuff. And I don't know, man, I was having one of those kind of mornings, you know, one of those extra cup of coffee kind of mornings. So I'm like, you know what? Let me just call and see if I get through, bro. Because I'm going to be like, bro, listen, you guys got to stop this. You guys are ruining my sport. Like, this is the sport that I grew up in. And, like, there's a certain there's a certain ethics to my sport. There's a certain purity to my sport. Guys work hard to get to where they're going. And, like, you're just going to supersede that. And, and, and people are actually going to watch you more. And there's not going to be a viewership. There's not going to be an audience for the real world-class fighters soon if they keep doing this, you know? Like, I don't want this sport to get to the point where – People say the word boxing and, and, and the person, a random person, what, what name the first person you think of when you say boxing and a person will think more to say Logan Paul or Jake Paul rather than Anthony Joshua or Canelo. You know what I'm saying? Like when you say the word boxing, I want you to think of Mayweather, Ali, uh, Ray, or, or modern day Fury, Joshua, Canelo. You know, I don't want you to say Logan Paul, Jake Paul. We're getting to the point where, where if somebody, you tell a random person of boxing, what's the first person that comes to your mind? They'll say Jake Paul. They'll say something like that. So, so I'm, I don't want it to get to that point. So I was like, yo, bro, listen, yeah, it's cool. You're, you're, you're good. But like, you know, it's, it's nice that you're doing that, but you know, simmer down a little bit, man. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not of a level where you're tall, like you're talking. Cause he was talking like a big shot. Like he was talking like, Oh, they were, the guys in the gym were looking at me and they were asking my trainer if I was a pro. Like what, what does that even mean, bro? You know what I mean? There's, there's pros that are terrible. What is that? That's not a compliment though. Like don't you, you, you have a platform. So you're overstating your, 
you're you're overstating your piece, you know? And then, you know, what are people going to do? People are going to buy into this because we live in a dumb generation, bro. So people are going to buy into this. And then and then they just, you know, before you know it, you take all the attention from, say, like a, a, an Errol Spence versus Danny Garcia type of pay-per-view. You know what I'm saying? Where, you know, these things are getting more buys than that, right? So so I was like, yo, listen. And then, you know, he started kind of getting wise with me and I got wise with him. And before you know, we're kind of arguing on the air on, on his radio show. And I was like, listen, we, we're not going to argue here. So listen, me and you both know that if I was in the studio right now, you wouldn't do anything. Listen, you can talk tough. I'm going to talk tough. But really, what are we doing? We're on the phone. You're in the studio. You know, let, let, let's let let it go. Just understand what I'm saying. Um, we both know, though, at the end of the day, no matter what, if I was in the room there, you'd be probably quiet as a mouse and you'd be agreeing with me. And you'd be nodding. And he, I guess, I guess looking back now, he was meaning to prove that if he's in the room with me, he can do something. I mean. I wasn't looking. I mean, I didn't even know. I didn't even know what, that he was in the building, so to speak. But whatever. That's how it. That's how it wound up built going there, you know. But I got smacked. I first of all, I, I didn't know. I first of all, I was looking at who it was because I was ready to ready to tear somebody up right away. Then I looked, and it's him. It's his kids. So I shot at him, but security broke it up right away. It was. It, it, it's getting more play than, than than actually happened. You know, it was a little bit of a melee, but um, I think they threw him out anyway. How old is this guy? I don't even know. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. It's a TikToker, YouTuber, whatever they call them now, Instagram or whatever, whatever they call today. But uh, uh, um, I just know him from the radio show, you know, from the morning radio show. But I don't I don't honestly I don't know how old he is, you know. So will, will we see Paulie Malinaji versus Corey B in a <laughs> boxing match? I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm, you know, I feel like. I feel like it's it's gonna wind up this situation where I'm a bad guy if I if I do this, you know. Like so, I'm like, I don't know, hey, dude, I could beat the. This is the kind of guy I could beat with one hand, Chris. I mean, we're talking about even Logan and Jake Paul know better than to fight a boxer. You know what I mean? I mean, Logan fought a boxer, he fought Mayweather, but but I mean, I don't know. Even Jake Paul knows better than to fight a boxer. You know, he's building himself up in a way where he's not going after a boxer. Yes, I'm retired. Yes, okay, I wasn't the biggest puncher, and yes, I've had hand problems. He's he's gone into all of this in in terms of the way he describes why he chose me. Uh, besides calling me, you know, the, the the annoying person that I am or whatever he thinks I am. But but nonetheless, I still feel like this is a guy I will beat with one hand. Like, you have to make certain rules. If you make me and him box, you have to make certain rules. There's no way he could stand up with me, uh, no matter how little punching power I've had in my career. There's no way he's going to la- he's gonna last a, 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 any any amount of rounds with me. So, I don't know. I, I feel like if I do this, I would come out to be the bad guy. You know what I'm saying? So, he's like he's like a little kid jumping up and down, making a making a mess, making a scene. But um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I I, I feel like uh, I mean, I, I if I if I go and knock him out, I guess I could you know end this once and for all for everybody and make people realize you know what this is okay. There, there is a difference between a real YouTuber boxer and a real boxer boxer, you know. But at the same time, if I go and knock him out, society's gonna look at me like a bad guy. Like, oh, you should have known better. If I what if I hurt him, you know? Oh, you should have known better. Oh, uh, you know, you know he's not a real boxer. So so. I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm between a rock and a hard place with this. I don't really feel like there's a there's a way to to make the fight and 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 it, and it really benefit me. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. If I if I if I run into him though, if I run into him though, I'll, I'll hit him with two smacks: one with the front hand, one with the, one with the backhand, and both sides of the hands. Bad guys though, Paulie can make a little bit of money. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car 
probably until the day I die. Uh, that's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices... You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it off? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, yeah, because you got to think, he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on top of that. that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came to my room crying tears. (laughs) I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. We know that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Look, I, you're, I, you're a New Yorker. He does a radio show in New York. You can't tell me that hasn't crossed your mind. You could sell some tickets somewhere. I mean, I could probably go to the radio station and go beat him up. I'm a New Yorker. Yeah, there's no money in that. It's prize fighting, right? It's prize fighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, he's he's been putting me on his stories because now he's got this video. So now he's been putting me on his, on his stories and it's been it's gone viral. So mm. I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to separate myself from it we'll we'll see boxing with chris mannix is brought to you by fanduel never played fanduel fantasy before great fanduel is offering users the chance to play free no deposit required with a free entry to an nba contest plus for those who want to deposit fanduel is offering up to a 500 dollars bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20 percent deposit match Why do you play on FanDuel? FanDuel Fantasy is an easy-to-use app. Pick a new team every game. Different and unique contests across sports in relation to your skill level. Compete against your friends in head-to-head matchups. FanDuel is offering users the chance to play free, no deposit required, with a free entry to an NBA contest. And FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Go to FanDuel.com forward slash Cowherd to sign up today. That is FanDuel.com forward slash Cowherd so they know we sent you. FanDuel, more ways to win. So, you're a sports fan. That's why you're listening, baby. But if you're considering getting in on the fun of sports gambling... 
I want to let you know about a great resource, the Action Network. And I'm all over it like Revis Island. I have nothing but great things to say about it. The Action Network is where fans go when they're ready to bet smarter and turn a profit betting on sports. In fact, their free Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. With the Action app, you can see the latest picks and articles from Action Network gambling experts, as well as personalities like Colin Cowherd, compare odds from different sports books, and track every bet you make so you always know how your picks are doing. So, if the game means more to you, download the free Action Network app and start betting smarter. So this kind of segues into my question about exhibition matches in boxing, and you clearly don't love them um, in, in terms of, like, you know, they – they may someday come to define the sport. That seems to be yeah, what yeah, I don't your want problem them to define is. the sport. Mm-hmm. Is that like, but how much of that do you put on actual boxers? Like, you know, like you make the, the Mayweather Logan Paul fight, right? Like it was exactly as dumb as I thought it was going to be. I actually thought Logan Paul was better than I thought it was going to be because he did what a, he did what a big man kind of should do in box, which is lean on a guy. Like that's that's your one way to finish a fight. And if you don't have the skills, you might as well take advantage of your size. But, like, the belly aching from boxing kind of rang hollow to me because, okay, you got this fight, this farce on this weekend, but next weekend, World Championship Boxing, Jamal Charlo against Juan Montiel in one of the worst main events you could possibly make in middleweight boxing or any glass of boxing. I mean, boxing, you know, if this... The rise of these exhibition sports, Paulie, in my mind anyway, has a lot to do with the fact that boxing doesn't counter-program, if you will, doesn't give fans a reason to be just as excited about their main events as these exhibition ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you you have a, a big point here, Chris. You know, boxing shoots itself in the foot a lot of times. But but here's the thing. I mean, are these better fights? Are these better fights? I mean, here's what this reminds me of. I've made this example many times. It's like the most popular kid in high school getting into a fight against another popular kid in high school. And even if they can't fight, people are going to watch. But the, maybe the, the nerdy kid has a black belt in jiu-jitsu and, or is a, has, has been boxing for years. But nobody wants cares if he gets into a fight because he's not that popular, right? So so it's basically like become like a popularity contest where if two guys are popular enough, let's just fight, right? That's, that's, that's what ends up being what they're doing. And the fight is not really that good. There's not really that much skill involved. There's not really that much uh, uh, excitement behind it. It's more hype than anything else. Are the fights really that good at the end of the day? No. I mean, was Jake Paul knocking out Ben Askren that good? I mean, it was all hype, but it, it was it was it was dumb as it gets, right? So, so I mean, Jake Paul, Jake Jake Paul knocking out uh, uh, Nate Robinson, the same thing, you know. Listen, and I respect the Paul brothers a little more because they've actually been doing this for enough time to to actually call themselves boxers now. But but nonetheless, you you started a trend. You started a trend where you're just making uh, is this a popularity contest? And it, your skills and how good you are at something doesn't even matter. Actually, Conor McGregor probably started this more than anything because I've never seen a guy so popular lose so many mm-hmm. times. You know what I mean? He, he actually loses more than he wins and he still manages to stay at that, at that popularity rate. So again, it sends more about the generation than anything else. You know what I'm saying? Because then at this point, you can bring in YouTubers. You can bring in anybody. Winning doesn't well, even McGregor, matter. McGregor, though, McGregor was also great before he started losing. Like he had a period of time where he was arguably the top guy in UFC. I mean, he had like a one-year prime. I wouldn't call him great. He never made a title defense in his life. I, I wouldn't call him great, but but he he took the world by storm. He took he took the world. He knew how to take the world by storm with his personality. He won some key fights. 
Um, and, and, and he did what he did. But let's face it. I mean, it was a flash in the pan at the end of the day. It was a year, year and a half. Let's face it. And then, and then it's been all downhill ever since. But he's been more popular now than he was when he was winning, right? So, so the reality of it is I kind of started the trend. And I think these YouTubers, Instagrammers, uh, TikTokers started. So it doesn't even matter if you win. It's just about popularity. You've led the groundstone. You, you, you kind of set the groundstone. It's just about popularity. So, so it kind but of isn't Paul, not not Paul Alex finish, but like isn't everything about popularity? Even boxing, like Arturo Gotti wasn't very good. Like Arturo Gotti was just wildly popular. But he was, but he wasn't. Like he wasn't a, you know, he belonged in a boxing ring. You know what I'm saying? He like, did, he did. But like he started to lose more than he won in that top level. Once he got to that top level, he was going down. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you had to find him. But he could beat faded ex champions. You know, he was at, at 140 pounds. You know, he beat Jesse James Leha. He beat Leonard Duran. You know, he beat guys that had had been world champions. You know, um. You know, he'd, he'd gotten enough key wins to where he could he could hang around at a certain time. Listen, popularity comes into play because if Arturo wasn't so popular, those they wouldn't have got him those kind of opponents where he was going to beat them. But no matter what, I mean, you're not going to get a, a Jake Paul or, or a Logan Paul or any kind of TikTok or Instagrammer, and they're not going to get in the ring and beat an ex-world champion, even if he's faded. They're not going to. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. So you still can't make that comparison because Arturo still had been a championship-level fighter even if his popularity made him more popular. These guys, none of none of these guys will ever win. I'll never say never because they made they found a way to make Lucas Chavez Jr. world champion. So I can never say never. But <laughs> but but nonetheless, nonetheless, it's it'll be very, very, very difficult. Even in this time frame where we have like all these belts, it'll be very, very difficult to find them a major world title. And what I mean by a major world title is the pre- most prestigious version of the big four. Not not the third version of the WBA when when there's not any. I'm talking about for them to win the most prestigious version of the of the Big Four. It, it, you'll never ever 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 see them win. Not but them they don't want them. Win. Like they don't want them, do they? Like they're not going. Jake Paul's not going to wind up fighting. Jake Paul wants every ex MMA champion he can possibly yeah, get his hand on, which is smart. That's yeah, fine. It's, I, I get it. I get it. But what it's doing is what it's doing is it's setting a trend. Other guys now. You got Corey B coming in, and he's starting now. He wants to be a boxer, and everybody like him wants to be a boxer. There's a pay per view going on, bro. TikTokers versus YouTubers or whatever it's called. I don't even know what they call themselves anymore. It's it's all just them fighting each other. And I'm sure it'll sell more than a lot of popular main event in, main events in boxing. You know, so so I don't know, man. It, it, I get what they're doing, and I understand it. But it's setting the wrong trend. It's setting a trend. It, it's going. We're going down the wrong path here with the sport. You know what I'm saying? And and it, we're, we're, we're gonna lose it. I feel like it's that's not like combat sports. I put in three buckets. There's MMA. There's boxing. And then there's whatever the hell this is. Like this is something to me entirely different. And in my mind. As long as it's not taking dates on ESPN, Showtime, DAZN, Fox, I'm cool with it. If people want to pay 50 bucks, go right ahead. I mean, Barstool's been doing this for years now with Rough and Rowdy, where you've got these you know guys from West Virginia banging away on each other yeah, yeah. for one three-minute round. Just a different version of it. Yeah, I I, I see that. But what's hap- what's going to happen? You're going to if you if you keep letting it grow, what's going to happen is. People are going to see that boxing doesn't get the ratings that maybe this other thing gets. You know, you you see boxing it gets a contract with a network and then it gives it away. You know what I mean? Yes. That was a beautiful. That was the beauty of having Showtime and HBO there for a while. No matter what, you were not going to lose boxing on HBO and Showtime to another sport or to another competing entity. Be- now with boxing on ESPN and Fox, I mean, I already heard Fox is going to get rid of their boxing programming at the end of 2021. So I don't I mean I don't know if it's true, but that's what I've heard through the grapevine. So so if 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 if, if you're going on boxing with these kind of networks where they have so many other options you risk losing the sport on these networks and then and then you risk 
not having a home for everybody. You know what I'm saying? So, so these other networks, they don't care if, if, if the guy's good or not. They're going to care about ratings. And they're going to care about if this doesn't get the ratings, but I can replace it with this that will get the ratings. You know what? I'm going to replace it with this instead. And so, you know, you're going to wind up not being able to hold your ground in a certain in, a, in, in certain scenarios and lose a home for, for a lot of main a lot of the main part of boxing. You know, the 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 heart of boxing, the the, the root the root of boxing that the, the world class fighters that deserve these dates. And I just don't see how you can be more entertained by YouTubers and Instagrammers and TikTokers than you can by a legitimate world-class fight. Anyone that goes into these things, though, thinking it's going to be highly competitive and high-level, you're just dumb. Like, that's your own fault. Like, anybody yeah, anybody but complaining, Paulie, about the end result of Mayweather versus Paul, go to bed. Like, I don't want to hear yeah. from you. Like, this was yeah. what it was expected to be. The problem is, I can make an argument that Mayweather versus Paul was more competitive than Charlo versus Montiel is going to be. You've got a guy whose claim to fame is beating up the corpse that was James Kirkland in his last fight and was recently pancaked by Jaime Munguia. Like, you know, Charlo should walk through him. Like, how, like that. that's not a competitive fight either. I know, you're right. And, and unfortunately, like I said before, boxing does shoot itself in the foot. I mean, Canelo fought Avni Yildirim and made it a stadium fight in January. You know what I mean? A guy who didn't belong in the ring with him at all. You know what I'm saying? And Isn't then, that more the Blake sanctioning Bell bodies fight? Isn't that more the sanctioning bodies fault though too? But the, yeah, it is, of course. But he blamed it on the mandatory. But he didn't fight Jamal Charlo when he was his mandatory at middleweight. You know what I mean? So you can't blame it on the on the mandatory when you're picking and choosing your mandatories. You know what I mean? You could do that if you weren't picking and choosing your mandatories. We both know. Let's face it. We both know Canelo doesn't have to fight his mandatories. Nobody's going to strip him. You know what I mean? Everybody wants them to have their belts. You know, so right. so to use a mandatory cop out also is another way of boxing shooting yourself in the foot because. You could buy the field room excuse being a mandatory if he fought Jamal Charlo when he was a mandatory at middleweight. You know what I mean? But he didn't. So, so it, it's still, but it's the same thing like you're saying, uh, Charlo, Montiel, whatever. It's, it's it all goes in the same pot here. Boxing does shoot itself in the foot, and then people get mad about you know, the one sidedness and all this other stuff. But you what? You rather be disappointed by an Instagram or TikToker fight because you're still gonna be disappointed. It's not like you're gonna come out and say, "Man, what a fight! That was amazing." I've yet to see. A YouTuber, TikTok, or Instagram fight where people come out of it Monday morning at the water cooler and be like, yo, that was some fight Saturday night. Yo, no, that no, was no, crazy. No. You, so, you, you never. So what are you going to you, do? You're still going to be disappointed anyway. So what's the point? What are we talking about? I think the difference is uh, YouTuber versus YouTuber, I'm not, I have no expectations. I'm not going into that thinking it's going to be any good. Uh, a championship fight on Showtime, though. A championship fight on Showtime, like, I would hope that would be Showtime. I'm not just singling out Showtime here. ESPN, DAZN, Fox. Like, if, yeah. you, if you're putting mm -hmm. a main event on, I want it to be competitive. And too often, I'm kind of looking at it being like, that's not going to be competitive at all. Like, that's, that's yeah. a problem. Yeah. That's yeah. a problem. All right, I want, I want to move on to... Yeah, I want, want to move on to get your take on... What happened at the press conference taping Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder? Uh, Fury, uh, Wilder, after spending the better part of the last year making some wild accusations at, uh, at Tyson Fury to any local podcast or radio show that uh, he could get a hold of him, uh, went silent at this press conference, uh, put headphones on, didn't say a word, had a five-minute stare down with Tyson Fury that was, you know, according to the internet, really intense, but I didn't find it all that intense. Um, Malik Scott did most of the talking. They're going to fight again on July 24th. New trainer in his corner, Wilder, you know, different mindset, all that stuff. Do you buy any of that? Do you think there's, you know, Wilder, there's a path to victory here for Deontay Wilder? Listen, I think Malik Scott is a really, really intelligent boxing guy. Um, and he was, uh, I was in the amateurs with him. He was a good amateur. He was a pretty good pro as well. Um, I think he's got a good boxing mind. He's really a, an astute student of the game as well. 
So I, I, while I don't agree with how Deontay treated Mark Breland, um, I, I do think Malik, you know, can bring something to the table for Deontay. I do think that. Um, but having said that, there are certain key flaws fighters have that they're not going to change overnight. Um, and one of the things some fighters have is they cannot fight going backwards. They can't do it. You know, I remember Zab Judah had this problem. And I remember saying to myself, I'm going to step to him in the fight. He's never going to expect it. I'm going to keep keeping his face. I'm going to back him up. And his power is going to be nullified when he's when he's fighting going backwards. You know, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez is a great fighter. You know, you don't have to be. A, it doesn't mean you're a bad fighter if you don't have this flaw. Julio Cesar Chavez, if you backed him up, he couldn't fight. You know, so. So Deontay, unfortunately, has this problem. He can't fight going backwards. If you back him up, he's got a big, big problem. You know, you kind of saw it in earlier parts of his career when guys would push him back. He started with that flailing stuff and be all over the place. But, but with Tyson Fury, you've got a bigger man than him. You've got a six foot nine guy who's like a tree trunk when you get in a clinch with him. But at the same time, he's taller and bigger than you on the outside as well. So he's going to take it to you. And I always found it really poignant what Tyson Fury said, because a lot of times, guy, we and, and as fighters, we answer questions in the media in a way where we're just kind of looking, we're just kind of looking to annoy you guys or looking to say something wild on purpose, right? So, and I thought Tyson was going to was answering this on purpose, this answer. When somebody asked him, how did you know you were going to knock out Deontay Wilder in the rematch? And he said, oh, when did you know? And he said, I knew in round 12 of our first fight. And I thought like, yeah, all right. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, all right. You know, I'm thinking to myself, he's just giving that just for clickbait. And then he explained it. He said, when I got up from the knockdown, I was very hurt and I had to take it to him because if I tried to survive, I was not going to be able to survive. I had to take it to him and, get, and fight him off of me. And when I fought him off of me, I ended up winning the rest of the round and even putting him in trouble. And I realized that getting in his face is what bothers him and it, it, backing him up is what bothers him. And when the bell rang, I went back to my corner and said, make the rematch. I'm going to knock this guy out on the rematch. And I was like, wow, he's right. He's right. You know, because then round one of this rematch, what did he do? Round one of the rematch, Fury continued that exact game plan. He went right to Fury. And again, I thought it was gamesmanship when in the, when the rematch talk, he said, I'm going to get in his face and I'm going to back him up. I said, yeah, all right. Just gamesmanship. He's not going to back him up. He's going to box him like he did the first fight. And sure enough, from round one, he took it right to, Fury, right to Deontay and backed him up. And once again, kept proving that Deontay can't fight on the back foot. And this is a big guy. You can't even get into a clinch with him and push him back. He's bigger than you. He's, he's it's like a tree trunk, you know? So I, while I do think Deontay style can get some help from Malik, there's an intelligence there with Malik. There's a, a cerebral part of Malik's style that Malik's mind that can be trained, be transfused to Deontay. I just don't think this is a style for him. He can't beat Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight in the world then. And, um, and, um, I just, I just don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. Yeah, you, and- sure, you, can, you can land a big shot, but you got to be on the front foot. A guy, a guy like Deontay, if he's on the back foot, he's not going to hurt you. He's not going to hurt you. It's, it's the same thing. These kind of guys, they lose their steam on their shots when, when you keep them on their back foot. So um, I find it really interesting, um, all the gamesmanship and all the other stuff. Yes, Deontay was talking a lot, and then at the press conference, he wasn't talking. Sure, it's all part of the, the spiel. He's mad. I get it. You, you, you know, you're supposed to be mad. You're supposed I don't to even think, Paul, I, I don't even think he's mad. I, I think that it's you see it sometimes in politics where uh, you know somebody says something to a friendly interviewer or in a place where he's not going to be seriously questioned and then won't say it in a space where he is going to be questioned. So I'm specifically talking about the accusations that Breland spiked his water, that 
Fury, oh, yeah. loaded his gloves. Like these are things that like do point. not pass the smell test. You know yeah, what I mean? That's and, not, no, that's a good point because I did I did have a curiosity. And again, I didn't watch the press conference, but I did have a curiosity about him bringing all this up now in front of Fury because you've done you've made up all these issues with, with Fury not not in your presence. But I mm-hmm. did have a curiosity if he had the guts to say all those things, make all those excuses with Fury standing right there listening and calling him out on, including the white privilege stuff that he tried to throw in and try to throw in in an interview a couple of weeks ago. Now you got this 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 tower like a twin, he's like a twin tower, this guy Fury, standing in your face. Now do you have the guts to say all those things you've been saying before, or are you going to be like I told Corey, be quiet as a mouse, right? So so I don't know if it was if it was. Uh, gamesmanship or even if it was intimidation if he was just intimidated from from wanting to speak a certain way because fury was present but nonetheless we're going to find out in july i i I don't know you know he's it's it's hard to read the guy because he he talks a certain way and sometimes i think you know what he's in denial but you have to be in denial to go into this rematch and feel like you're going to win it you know because you can't go into the rematch saying you can't go into this third fight saying oh i'm going to get killed you know, you can't say that because you don't want to be mentally out. Of, you don't want to mentally suck yourself out. So you've got to almost be, put yourself in denial and, and, and look like a crazy guy and say all these things just so you can convince yourself that you are going to win the fight. But but to show the confidence that you believe that the most important thing is to say it in the presence of your opponent. Say that in the presence of your opponent. That's an interesting thing you just brought out, you know, that he, that he was I mean, so yeah, like, I mean, it, it just, you know, you have that opportunity to to let it all out in front of not just Fury, but like actual like meet reporters that are going to try to drill down on that type of stuff, and you don't do it. That struck me as as interesting. I thought Tyson Fury made a good point too. When I mean Malik Scott was the only one talking on the Wilder side, and Malik was talking kind of about what what they were doing in camp. And Fury's like, look, he can, and he wasn't. He actually made a point. He was like, look, Malik, I think you're a good guy and maybe a good trainer, but you know when the pressure comes, he's going to revert. He being Wilder is going to revert to what he knows like you know his kind of instincts is ba- you're not going to in other words you're not going to change a guy this is fury's point in the span of one training camp and i, yeah, I tend to I agree with him i think wilder will still kind of just let it try to let his hands go he'll probably be doing yeah. it mostly off the back foot and mm-hmm. in all likelihood it's not going to lead to a positive outcome for deontay wilder no i i think it's going to be the same thing as a second fight i think fury kind of has the has the blueprint and he's got the size the physical mass and the physical ability to impose himself that way some guys don't you know Deontay is big himself so some guys don't have that ability but Fury has that ability to impose that kind of blueprint I see the same kind of result I I, I think it could even be worse at this point because now he's really made it clear that he doesn't want anybody stopping the fight so you gotta literally like smoke him out of there like a joint you know what I mean so so I mean I, I think it could be even worse in the second fight but we'll see you know he does have that big power you always have to keep it in mind he's able to let go of a shot while planted and and while not being backed up, he could do damage, but we will see. All right, July 16th, you'll be in South Florida, part of the Extreme Bare Knuckle broadcast. What I'm, what I'm curious about, Paulie, with this stuff is, does it have staying power? And you've been involved in various incarnations of boxing over the years, especially in the latter yeah. end of your career after you you retired. As you look at Extreme Bare Knuckle boxing, um, do you see it having traction? Do you see it being well, able to thing. capture an audience? I think when bare knuckle boxing first returned to the scene, I think people had their doubts about it and it's grown in popularity since the, the thing about the BYB is they use a different kind of ring. They use a trigon. So the triangle, I worked one show with them so far and, and no matter where you go, you're trapped. You really don't even have any room in there to do any ring generalship. Does it get bloody? Yes. 
But is it safer? That's where my experience comes in in bare knuckle. You cannot load shots consistently like you can with boxing gloves on. The thing about why boxing is so dangerous is because you have padded gloves, but the padding is just enough to protect your hands, but not enough to protect the person taking the blows. Now, in the gym, they're a little heavier, okay. But the combat gloves don't have enough padding to protect the person taking the blows, but they have enough padding to protect your hands so that you can keep loading up and loading up and loading up. With bare hands, you can't do this. So what do you have? With bare hands, you have the illusion that it's worse because you have violence in terms of blood. But your knuckles are like razors. They're creating more blood, right? So people get the, get the view, like the perception, like, oh, my God, this is so terrible. It's just blood, though. It's just blood. Anything coming from a fighter, yeah, some people, blood is bad. But you're not getting those internal injuries that are dangerous to somebody because you can't keep loading heavy, heavy shots on somebody and 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 survive the fight because your hands will absolutely implode on you, you know? So, so I do think that it's safer, but it's more action. It, it forces more action. The trigon especially, there's no room for ring generalship. So when you have consistent knockouts, the trigon itself is more different than any other bare knuckle ring as well because it's got like a 90% knockout ratio. The, the show I just worked last month, all the fights ended in knockout, every single one. There's nowhere to go. You know what I mean? So you gotta know where to. You gotta know how to fight right from where you are. You know what I mean? You gotta have the ability right from where you are. And and as soon as you back up, you get yourself into one of those triangle corners. You got you got ropes on both sides of you. You get, there's nowhere to go now. Now you're really screwed. So so I think it has staying power because it's a short fight. The knockouts make it even shorter. It's a lot of action. It forces action. So in a generation where it's really where it's a new generation. These young people, they have this uh, instant gratification type of thing. They don't have a big, uh, they don't have a big uh, uh, mental span uh, to, to kind of concentrate. And I call it the dumbest generation we've ever lived in in human history. I do. But so in, in, in order to, to kind of uh, uh, sell to them, because this is the, what you have to sell to at this point, they love the instant gratification of, of the fight, not having to kind of, not having to kind of sit through the, the, the moments of the fight kind of, warming into the fight and playing out and, and seeing how the guys are warming to each other. There's no time for that. You got to go in there and let your hands go right away. And within 30 seconds, most of the time you've seen blood already because even a grazing shot opens a cut. Now you think there's more damage than is actually being done. The fighters are safe. They're going to get cut. They're going to get stitches, but they're safer than they are in other combat sports. So for me, I like it. And I think it has staying power because it has both. It affects both sides. It gives you the action you need. It gives it to you instantly. But at the same time, you're not going to have the, the massive brain damage or deaths in this sport. Oh, we'll see what happens. July 16th, next time out, you'll be ringside falling for BYB6, Extreme Bare Knuckle. Always good to catch up, man. Let's do it again soon. Absolutely, Chris. Good talking to you, man. All right, my thanks to Pauli Malinaji. On Friday, we will be back with another big episode. Sergio Mora, the former junior middleweight champion, DAZN broadcaster, he will join me live. Plus, Anderson Silva, the former MMA fighter, he is getting in the boxing ring against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I talked to Anderson Silver about that and much more. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.